sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No sensor. Get him a body bag, Johnny! Welcome to episode 4 of Sweep Delay Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Mike Macmasunis. I want to thank you so much for joining me again. And um, I'm very excited for this episode of the week, Howard the Duck. Um, I was actually having second thoughts. I was thinking about doing a newer movie this week. Um, I was going to do Faster, which is the, uh, as you all know, I'm a huge Dwayne Johnson fan. That's his uh, new movie just came out yesterday. It's his return to action so no more kitty flicks. So I was very, very pumped to watch that. And uh, but you know, after I got to thinking, I did. You know, Howard the Duck is a, is a great film, and and it's something that I I really wanted to talk about. So just so you guys know, um, when I do a newer movie, which I'm probably going to do faster, either my next episode or the episode after that, I will not do any spoilers for those films. Anything that just came in the theater. Or just came on a DVD. I'm just gonna give you the the basic premise of the film, what I like, what I didn't like about it. I won't give away any big plot points or anything to spoil the film. And uh, you know, I'm assuming the the soundtracks aren't gonna be as great as the old 80s and 90s flicks, so there probably won't be a lot of music showcased from that film. But you know, I'll get all those details worked out. So I just want to give you guys a heads up that uh, I will be doing that movie very soon or another new movie I, I'm going to be checking out Frozen I've gotten uh, lots of lots of great feedback on that film so if I watch Frozen and Faster and decide which one I like better I'm going to kind of pick and choose from there so very excited uh, for this week because Howard the Duck is a film that either you love it or you hate it um, around my woods I, I there's a lot of old ladies that love Howard the Duck and I have one girl, she's like in her in her 30s that I know of, who just shut it off the moment that she got 10 minutes into the film. So it's kind of a controversial film, and I'll get into that. Um, but I do wanted to just kind of go back on my previous episodes and just kind of clarify a few things. Um, Ty uh, was giving me some feedback in regards to my statement on the Wraith when I said that the Crow and the Wraith are kind of like the same thing. And uh, what I was trying to say is that just to give you an idea, you know, a lot of people have seen The Crow, that a guy comes back to avenge his death. That's kind of the only similarity. I mean, The Crow is, uh, you know, it's a masterpiece of a film. You know, The Wraith is just an 80s fun, fun flick versus The Crow is a deep, dark, you know, epic love story. And uh, it's... In my opinion, it's the greatest comic book movie ever made. Now, Batman Begins is my favorite, but I do admit that The Crow is the best comic book adaptation that there is. So, um, you know, and I will be reviewing The Crow at some point. But I just wanted to make that clear that The Wraith and The Crow are, you know, nothing alike. They're far apart from each other. They're on the complete sides of the world. But... That was just kind of what I was getting at, so just to clarify, not to confuse anybody. So, um, And then also, 
Um, we've been kind of making fun of this on over at the Crossroads podcast. Um, I told you guys that Andrew was the co-host, and that's just because he used to be uh, the third co-host when Ty and Stars were uh, were running the show, and then after Ty left and Stars took over, I just assumed Andrew would move up the list. Well, we all know what happens when you assume. So um, that's kind of where all the statements came from, where he was the co-host. But actually, Jason from uh, Flicks, Film and Focus, uh, Show Me to Winston, Shadowy Flight, he is now the co-host of the Crossroads podcast. I'm loving it, and I think it's hilarious. Um, I actually have um, an iTunes review, which was awesome. I didn't get any emails this week, but I did get an iTunes review from my wife's best friend, and um, she has never listened to podcasts before. And uh, what her iTunes review says, um, her name is uh, Mommy in Love, and uh, the title says Mike Mac, and it says, I love, 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 in capital letters, this podcast. This is the first podcast I have listened to, and now I am hooked. It's like waiting for the next episode of Supernatural each week. I hate the wait, but I love the show. So she's actually going to be checking out all of uh, all the shows that I always recommend because she's getting in the podcast now, and uh, she thinks you know she loves Supernatural, and she checked out one episode of Crossroads, thought it was hilarious. So I just wanted to um, congratulate Jason on being the co-host of um, of Crossroads, and uh, hopefully um, you guys will continue to have guest hosts. You know, bring back Tim and. Uh, bring back Ty. Hopefully you can convince him on there. And it's just hilarious when you guys are all on there. So I am absolutely loving the uh, the new uh, co-host of the Crossroads. It's awesome. And uh, Andrew, I just want to say I hope everything's cool between us. I know on Facebook we've been throwing a lot of jokes like, you know, stars killed you and everything. And it was all in good fun. So I hope everything is cool. Uh, between us, I'm sh- I'm sure I'm sure it is, but I didn't want uh, you know any jokes to be taken the wrong way because you know me, I'm just a jokester. It's something that I like to do. So um, before we go ahead and get into Howard the Duck, why don't we go ahead and get into the movie and music news of the week? Getting into the uh, movie news of the week, um, we just had the Oscars, which um, I thought was uh, pretty interesting, but the thing that I always love is uh, the thing called the Razzies. The Razzies is basically the worst of award show, and uh, it, this is kind of funny because um, 
Last Airbender, which I have not seen, but I always hear mixed reviews of. You know, it's an M. Night Shalahan movie. Uh, of course, it won the big awards there. And uh, I just wanted to go through this because I thought most of these were kind of funny. Um, the worst picture of the year was The Last Airbender. The worst actor was Ashton Kutcher for Killers and Valentine's Day. Uh, worst actress was Sarah Parker or Sarah Jessica Parker, Kim Trail, Cynthia Nixon, and Kristen Davis for Sex and City 2. The worst supporting actor was uh, Jackson Rathbone for The Last Airbender and Twilight Saga Eclipse. And um, the worst supporting actress was Jessica Alba for The Killer Inside Me, Little Fockers, Machete, and Valentine's Day. I did like her Machete, but at the same time, she was kind of lame, too. So. And uh, worst eye-gouging misuse of 3D, this is a new category, which I think is hilarious, was The Last Airbender. The worst screen couple or ensemble was the cast of Sex and the City 2. The worst director was M. Night Shalahan. Worst screenplay is The Last Airbender, and the worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel was Sex in the City 2. So, I uh, I kind of find that uh, hilarious. Um, the Oscars overall uh, were really cool. I just got done listening to the Film and Focus um, Oscar, um, you know, what they thought of the Oscars, which is real cool. Now, Anne Hathaway... Um, you know, there's a whole talk about James Franco as being a horrible guest and, and or horrible host, and uh, Anne Hathaway uh, was really good, you know, and compared to James Franco, you know, she was really good, but, you know, I'm kind of where, you know, James Franco is a very smart guy, he knows what he's doing, and I'm sure he was just kind of playing a role, and uh, Anne Hathaway, I, th- I thought it was kind of cool because, you know, Christopher Nolan's movie Inception won all these awards, and, uh, you know, she's going to be playing Catwoman in the next movie. So I kind of was wondering what Christopher Nolan was think- thinking of her being the host. You know, if he uh, had any, uh, you know, sort of Catwoman thoughts or, you know, oh, she's doing really good here. Maybe I can corp- incorporate that in the film. So, you know, I, overall I thought, it, I thought it was really cool. So um, I did actually find out some excellent uh, The Dark Knight Rises um, story info. Which, uh, it doesn't spoil the whole movie, but it basically gives you the whole outline of the film. And, uh, if you really want to know, uh, what that is about and want to be spoiled, I will put the link on the, uh, Facebook page, Sweep the Leg Podcast. Um, so if you are interested in reading that, please click on the link. Um, I was, I've had a lot of theories, so I'm glad that I finally got to hear what it is. And the reason I know that this is true is the, uh, editor-in-chief of Batman on Film, he's got uh, ties in with Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan. So when he said that these rumors are in fact true, but, you know, not to post on his site, you know, um, just that, you know, if you want to go looking for it, you're going to find it. It was good to actually know that these rumors are true. I actually got a good aspect of what the movie's going to be about, so that's exciting. So, Also, I saw uh, Transformers 3. Uh, they have a front cover on uh, Parade, I think, or um, I'm not sure the exact magazine, but um, they have the Sentinel Prime uh, on the front cover, which I thought was really, he looks really cool looking. So hopefully Transformers 3 will be way better um, than number 2. I mean, number 2 was horrible, but, you know, I think Michael Bay learned his lesson. I mean, it's basically the last movie. Uh, the dude's got to, uh, you know, kind of prove himself again. So, you know, I'm not really too worried about the movie Scream 4. I'm totally excited about that's coming out in the next 
the next two months. So super pumped for that movie. I think it's going to be a good year for film, but next year is going to be even better when uh, we get Batman and uh, a whole bunch of other um, other great flicks that I'm, that I'm excited for. So um, overall in uh, movie news, that was pretty much it. The Razzies. Um, uh, I don't really have uh, any new music news. Nothing was really too exciting. Um, just a lot of, well, Justin Bieber got wasted on CSI. Um, I am actually uh, a CSI Miami fan, even though um, David Caruso is cheesy. I do love that show. It's it's awesome. I'm the, I don't like the original, and, I don't, and New York's pretty, it's all right. My wife watches it a lot, and I watch it sometimes with her, but I'm a huge Miami fan, but I guess evidently he got blown away and the regular ones, so all the Justin Bieber fans were uh, having, uh, you know, a, a meltdown, which was hilarious. But Christina Aguilera, uh, she got arrested for being drunk. Um, I, I guess it kind of, it's kind of a sad because you know she's had two, you know, she had a really bad Super Bowl performance, and then she uh, missed the more, you know, she kind of messed up um, at the uh, the Grammys. So she's not really having a good year so far, it doesn't look like. So, eh, but what are you going to do? Um, Charlie Sheen, um, evidently, you know, um, there's a lot of talk about him, you know, and they actually had to cancel a few episodes of Two and a Half Men, and uh, he's expecting to get paid. I had no idea he was the highest paid actor. He makes $1.2 million an episode uh, for that show. So he's the highest paid actor on TV. I'll tell you, if every movie star would give, like, the common person around here a million bucks I swear this world would be in a much better place that's all I'm saying all these sports people and movie stars they make so much money it's ridiculous but hey that's just my opinion so what are you going to do so alright well that is uh, that is it for the movie music news before we get into the film let's go ahead and jump into a commercial welcome to the Federal Consumer Center information you provide concerning violations Hi, this is Amy. Can I have your name, please? Uh, Tom Abe. How can I help you, sir? Uh, I was listening to our, uh, I was taking my kid to school today, uh, my five-year-old, and we were listening to our local uh, radio show, Horn Dog in the Morning, and uh, the little girl that was uh, doing the weather, right in the middle of while she was doing the weather, she, she, she popped a breast out right there on the radio, and I got my five-year-old in the car wondering what the hell just happened, and I thought you guys were kind of, you know, cracking down on, on this or whatever. It's and, kinda... Excuse me. This occurred on the radio? Yeah, right. I mean, on the radio, I got, I got my five-year-old in the, in the minivan, you know, and how, did, how am I supposed to okay, explain to him? Sir, wait a minute. So, they were talking about she exposed her breast? No, they, they didn't say nothing about it. They acted like it didn't happen. But you're saying that she just, out of the blue, said, hey, listeners, I've got my breast out? No, no, that's the thing. She didn't say nothing about it at all. She just, she just did it. And here he is, here he is sitting in five, you know, uh, you know, okay, what are you... Okay. I'm confused. Now, how do you know if she exposed herself if she didn't say anything about it? You said this is on the radio? Yeah, I heard it. It hit the microphone. <laughs> and, and, I, and I told him, I tried to tell him it was her hand, but, you know, he's, he's, he may be five, but he's not stupid. He knew it was her boob. Okay. Um, okay, sir, you can file a complaint with us oh, about indecency or obscenity or profanity on the broadcast. I mean, and don't you think they should be fined? I mean, I mean, she, the boy's well, five years old. I'm just trying to soak all this in. Just give me a second. Well, well let me tell you, if I could get a tape, if I can get an audio tape and, and send it to you guys, where you can hear her popping well, her breast I mean, out. Do you expect me to believe that you actually heard a woman's breast fall out? Yeah, it hit the microphone. How do you know she didn't just 
hit her hand on the microphone. No, oh, no, it was it was her. I'll tell you what. Look, look, do it all test here. I mean, it's obvious. Sir, how about if I just send you the forms? No, 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 look, look, no, no. You know, she popped a boob out on the radio right there. About five years in the car. Look, take your hand or your breast and hit the Sir, phone, and I'll tell you which one it is. No, no, sure. Take your breast out, hit the phone, and I can tell you if it was your hand or your breast. Hello? <laughs> All right, and let's go ahead and get into our movie of the week, and that is Howard the Duck.
I know normally when I play the intro song, I only play like a minute or so, and uh, I know this time I played the whole song, and I did that for a reason. Now, the song you hear on the soundtrack, the song that you just heard, which this is the song that was on the soundtrack, um, at the end of the movie is completely different than what you just heard. So if you're familiar with how the movie ends, you probably would have caught some bits and pieces that were completely different than how the movie ends. But um, I will actually play that segment at the end of the review here. But going into this movie, um, as I said, this is a love it or hate it movie. I don't know why I, I love this movie. I know a lot of people who do, but at the same time, I hear a lot of hate on this movie. This is basically one of those movies that you gotta leave your brain at the door. I mean, you leave your brain at the door, and you're a sucker for one-liners, you're going to love this movie. This movie has more one-liners than a Bruce Willis film. I mean, I I literally wrote down like two pages worth of one-liners, and that's only half of the film. I mean, the, the film's flipping hilarious. But George Lucas is the producer of this film. Now... George Lucas actually uh, will sue you if you are in an interview with him and you bring this film up. That's how much he hates this film. Um, it's just what he considers his big disappointment and the Star Wars Christmas special. Um, you don't ever want to bring up Howard the Duck if you want to, you know, lose lots of money. Um, and originally it was gonna, you know, it's based off a comic book character, and they they were gonna make it, uh, you know, an animated film. But uh, they, it would take too long to do, so the producer just said, you know, they needed a summer movie, so why don't we go ahead and make it a live action? So, and of course, at the end of the, by the, by the time the movie came out, a lot of the actors couldn't get a job anymore, but I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, I wanted to just kind of just give you the best of the best of this film, because Really, I can't even express to you how awesome the movie is or how much you're going to hate this movie. Really, it's it's a 50-50 chance. Um, like I said, I, I've had friends, I showed them the film, they loved it, and I had friends that shut it off after 15 minutes because they couldn't stand it, they thought it was stupid. So um, That's just the way that the cookie crumbles with this movie. But as... Uh, you know, as my friends say, you know, they just don't know greatness. So, um, basically, when the movie starts off, we get to see the whole duck world. And because George Lucas is the man behind the producing here, all of the movie posters, of course, have ducks on them and have duck names. But they're all his movies. Like, instead of Raiders of the Lost Ark, we got Breeders of the Last Stark. And instead of Playboy, we get Play Duck. And instead of Rolling Stone, we get Rolling Egg. I mean, you kind of get the idea here. It's really funny. So... Basically, you just kind of get the premise of how the movie is going to start off. He's in an apartment. Everything looks just normal, but it's all from a duck perspective. Watching TV, everything's ducks, but real funny commercials. And um, the movie basically will start off where he's going, you know, after he gets settled in his apartment, the it's kind of like an earthquake hits, and all of a sudden he's in his chair, and he starts flying through the building. Now, what's funny about this is, you know, um, one of the buildings he flies through is a naked duck. Now the movie's rated PG, so I, I was thinking naked ducks weren't part of the, uh, you know, I guess back then that was okay. But, you know, it scars a lot of people, but me, I thought it was just kind of funny. And, uh, you know, he goes all the way up in the sky, and then they do the kind of Star Wars beginning, like trying to explain, you know, how there was always a duck, and you know, it, it's just—it's kind of a lame beginning, but it, it's hilarious at the same time. And it's just to set him up. You know, the producers did not want to explain how Howard got to Earth; they just wanted it to be there. But 
the producers, you know, were just kind of like, we have to have something. So that's kind of how um, they, they wanted to set up bring, having a laser is basically what is used to pull Howard from his world into our world. Now, obviously, if he was in outer space, he would burn up to death. But, you know, again, this is a movie about a duck. So uh, reality isn't, you know, something that uh, is normal in this film. But things start getting rocking because as soon as, uh, you know, he hits Earth, he starts dealing with, you know, biker chicks and he's trying to run away from them. And uh, we get really cool music playing. Now, I, Leah Thompson, um, she wasn't really a singer. Um, she, she, had, she sang every single song in this film, learned how to play guitar. And the producers constantly told her they weren't sure if they were going to use her voice. But I, I actually thought her voice was really good. They did actually keep it for the film. Um, there's actually only two songs from this movie soundtrack that I actually uh, that I actually like. I mean, I can handle most of them. But two of them I can listen to all the time. The other ones, it's kind of like I skip in my iPod if they ever come up. Uh, the very first song I'm about ready to play, this is where um, things get rocking. And it's basically Howard just going through... Uh, person after person trying to get away just to try to get safe and uh, the name of the song is called Hunger City and uh, this is how when you first meet Leah Thompson you see she's in a band and uh, it's a really really cool awesome song so let's check that on out
so yeah, that song was called Hunger City. Really cool song. Now, um, after Howard, um, at this point, Howard's basically in a garbage can. It's the place he found safe. Beverly, which is who Leah Thompson plays, she's done performing, tries to go home, gets attacked by two guys. This is kind of where the one-liner start of the film, um, which Howard is famous for. Some of the funny ones are No More Mr. Nice Duck, Don't Mess With, don't mess with uh, you know, A Guy Who Knows Quack Foo. Um, he, after he beats up the dude, he's just like, why don't you beat him, Mr. Zitz? Um, so, of course, you know, after Beverly tries to understand what's going on here, um, she does offer to take Howard back to her place. Uh, he walks in and says, nice place, you pay to live here. And she's like, eh, it's the only thing, you know, our manager could afford to get us. He's like, you know, I think you need to get a new manager. Um, some of the funny parts where uh, after Howard's looking around and sees, you know, duck purses and kind of gives a crap, she's like, you know, would you like something to drink? Uh you want some milk I could put it in a bowl and he goes doll I don't drink milk you got a beer she's like beer and he goes you know after she's like yeah sure I'll go get it and he's like yeah I'll put you in a bowl real real funny scene um, at this point Howard is you know he hears a garbage truck gets freaked out and that's kind of where he's telling the story of what happened he finally falls asleep. This is where Beverly starts to go through his wallet. Here we see money that looks like ours, but it's got a duck on it. We see pictures. And, of course, we got to have the little condom, which is hilarious. Um, uh, and at this point, everything becomes um, – it's daylight, and she's going to take him to her friend, and he's in a bag. She's trying to basically hide him. And this is where we meet Mr. Tim Robbins. Now, uh, this is Tim Robbins' first movie. You guys know him from, like, the Shawshank Redemption, and he's played a lot of serious uh, characters. But in this movie, he basically is a real funny, hilarious guy. I mean, the laugh that he has is just hysterical. Um, and this whole scene is, is real funny where he tries to talk like Daffy Duck, and, uh, you know, Beverly's like, don't talk to him, you know, like he's an idiot. Talk, you know, he's just as smart as you and me. And Howard's like, great, now I'm really depressed. You know, and he does like, do you have any superpowers? Can you read my mind? And the funniest line, which my daughter, my, my daughter's eight. I have let her watch this movie. I know it's a parent's discretion, but, you know, she doesn't get the sexual overtones of the film, which I'll get into later. But she, this is one of her favorite lines where he's like, they think I'm a phony. They think I'm a yo-yo, which it's a hilarious scene. And, you know, I watched this as a kid. You know, it, it kind of makes sense why you like this movie. If you've seen it as a kid, you kind of have a kid's perspective watching this film. One way you can really enjoy it. The movie um, definitely doesn't take itself seriously, which is why I think so many people like it. Uh, I mean, as long as you know you're willing to leave your brain at the door, sit back, relax, have a good time, that's exactly what you're going to have. You know, this movie goes beyond the whole suspension of disbelief. I mean, the whole movie is a suspension of disbelief. Uh, but it's as long as the movie's willing to make fun of itself, but not be a parody at the same time. Those are the enjoyable movies, and um, a lot of a lot of great lines um, are given. You know, after the whole "Are you you know you think I'm a yo-yo?" Everything from typical hairless apes, which is what Howard calls humans, because. Um, Tim Robbins, his character's name is Phil. You know, of course, he shows Howard the supposedly evolution of man came from monkeys. Like, oh, great, you're all hairless apes, which is when he gets mad at a human, he calls them a typical hairless ape, which is always a hilarious running joke throughout the film. Um, but at this point, we kind of get a fight between Beverly and Howard because, you know, Howard just found out that um, Phil isn't a scientist, he's a janitor. 
and just is at this point he just throws his hands up in the air. He's done with the situation. You know, he's embarrassed. What's he gonna do? You know, you, you're pulled millions of miles away from your house, and you get questioned by a janitor. You know, you're gonna be kind of PO'd. And um, the the fight that happens outside, uh, we see a bunch of kids around Howard, and we kind of get funny scene where he tells everybody to bug off, and you know, he calls the kids mutants, which is always hilarious. Um, but you know, he tells. Beverly, he doesn't need her anymore, and he's just like, you know what, okay, great, I made a mistake, but, you know, I'm mad at this point, so I gotta figure out something, I gotta get a job, so we get a real funny scene where he's trying to get a job, and, uh, and the lady that, uh, is trying to hire him, no, thinks that he's a kid in a costume, and that he's gonna find him a job, and of course he gets him a job being, um, a janitor, uh, in, uh, basically a, a sex place I guess you could say and he and he calls it, it must be mating season basically he's like towels lotions and everybody's just making out and there's this real nasty pool full of tar and the main boss is like you know what what are you doing creepy little dude he goes I'm taking a break and he goes you are the man that I hired to clean the pool and I want you to fix it he goes oh no and of course Howard at this point tells you that he can't swim you know a duck that can't swim you know that's funny and, uh, of course, he throws him in this nasty pool. Howard, he's not a man or a duck to take things lightly. So he uh, he goes back and uh, he throws the boss in the nasty pool. Be- well, I should take that back. He throws Howard in a regular pool with a couple. And he's just like, you know, I can't swim. But there's a nasty pool, which is like full of tar. And that's what Howard throws this guy in. He's like, oops, I guess I slipped, which is exactly what the guy said to Howard when he threw him in the pool when Howard said he couldn't swim. So, real, you know, another funny scene. Um, and, of course, after he quits, he's walking around town. He sees a bunch of TVs. And, of course, it's got to be, you know, it's a movie. So you got to have your, you know, your plot point in there. We got ducks all over TV. You got Daffy Duck. You got uh, Hunter's trying to kill ducks, real funny scene, and Howard thinks gunfire is going on because you hear cars blowing, well, you hear a backfire of a car, he thinks it's gun. He thinks it's a gun, um, so, you know, it, it it's hilarious, basically, you gotta see it, because trying to talk about it just isn't as funny as versus if you could see it, but um, as Howard's walking, he does hear um, some music playing, which is, uh, of course, uh, Beverly, he recognizes her voice, and she plays a real, you know, a real slow, soft song, and not really digging it too much. Um, but this is kind of the scene where Howard is going to become their new manager, and he does that by taking out the old manager. Uh, what's funny about this scene is the manager's name is Ginger. Well, his friend, his name is Richie, which he is the guy in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the one that takes the car for Joyride. The other guy, um, he's actually, if you've ever seen the show Medium, he's the district attorney on that show. Well, this is him in, a, in obviously, his younger years. Um, uh, real, you know, real funny. He doesn't talk a whole lot, but it was really cool to see him in this scene and um, this is the whole space rabies scene where, um, you know, he gets into a fight and he threatens him with space rabies and, uh, real hilarious. He's like, you know, Richie, um, is that a real disease? And he goes, I don't know, man. I, I might've heard that on TV. And that's when he basically forces him to get out of the contract to Beverly, 
Um, so that way Beverly no longer has to deal with him since he's a jerk and always keeps their money. So we get uh, we get a scene where Howard goes to goes in the dressing room and the girls see Howard for the first time and uh, and Holly Robinson is actually one of the um, band players which she's from 21 Jump Street so real cool and he says the funny line of sex appeals some guys got it some guys don't this is kind of where the movie kind of gets a little weird I mean you knew that uh, Beverly liked Howard but there's an undertone to this movie where you don't know if she really likes him or if it's just you know a friendly like so yeah, that's always up for debate but uh, that's kind of where everything starts is in this dressing room where he starts with that line here and uh, you know he's like you know I'm sorry that we fought. You're the only friend that I got here. So, you know, we'll go home, Ducky. That's the first time you hear her say Ducky. So we get the whole apartment scene where he's in his little bathrobe. He starts playing the piano, which is actually the song in the beginning that I played, Howard the Duck. That's the beginning of the song. So we get some history of Howard about how he used to be in a band and rode and everything like that. Well, Beverly's in her pajamas, and he says a funny line how, uh, you know, he is starting to appreciate the female version of the human anatomy, which, you know, of course is nasty, but it's it's supposed to be funny. Well, she takes it too far and is basically telling Howard they can get it on, and it's just a real kind of funny, awkward scene uh, is the best way to put it uh, but at this point of course she says she's just joking and uh, we get uh, our intruders so to speak the intruders are actually um, f- um, you know Phil um, or as Howard likes to say Lindsay um, he brings in the the scientist of the film which is Jeffrey Jones from Ferris Bueller's Day Off um, he is so so great in this film um i mean he really is the light of the film he plays dr jennings and uh he doesn't play dr jennings for very long because you know he'll eventually become the main bad guy of the film but every scene that he just talks you know he's really confident uh real funny in his delivery but uh the funny line is when um they first walk in he goes it's not what you think you know we're just really good friends and uh, this is where he explains to my you know I know how you got here and uh, he's like you have any after he explains to him how he got here he's like you got any questions and Howard's like yeah where are my pants and you just get that famous Ferris Bueller's Day Off confused look which is hilarious so um, I, I just love that scene I'm pretty sure he made Ferris Bueller before this movie but uh, that I'm not 100% sure of but uh, we get the whole video of how Howard came here, which basically um, a big laser pulled him from his world, and it you know malfunctioned, and uh, basically they can send Howard home if they do it tonight because their the laser is still pointing at his planet. So this is where they're on the way to the lab. But, of course, Howard and Beverly are just, they're kind of getting sad because, you know, Howard's going to be leaving and they're getting really close now. So, when we, uh, this is kind of where the movie starts to get uh, very interesting because you think Howard's going home, but, you know, we're only like a half hour into film. It can't be over yet. This is where you find out that the laser actually exploded and um, brought down 
the Dark Overlord of the Universe. I know it's a hilarious name, but this is, you know, this is Howard the Duck. It, it's flipping hilarious. Um, but it doesn't happen right away because um, they all think Jennings, you know, he just disappeared. But um, Jennings finds Howard um, and lets him know that, you know, we, we need to get out of here because the cops are actually after Howard and um, they basically want to shoot and kill him. I mean, they kind of think he's responsible for the whole thing. But as um, Beverly and Howard are running away, they run into Jennings, and that's when Jennings starts to say, you know, um, something's going on in my body. Um, he's like, I don't know what the problem is. And that's when he kind of goes into the whole details of uh, where he starts to basically change at this point, and he did it. He did a really great job in this role, just because you know when they film movies out of order, he always had to remember what part of the character was he at. Was he full? Was he you know just starting to be changing? You know how how far into the dark overlord should I be in? So he did a really good job of being consistent. That is one thing that is throughout is um, he definitely stays in character at the right points, which is which is really great. Um, but we get a real funny chase scene where they're trying to escape and he's just saying how you know his body's changing inside and finally when uh, they get to a restaurant right before they crash into a window that's when he's like I'm dead and he goes yes yes you are you know a real real creepy funny voice uh, happens and uh, he's like yeah and Howard's like yeah I'll tell that to your insurance company which you know that was hilarious so we get into the uh, restaurant and everybody's looking at Howard and he's doing this real funny noise and he just like hmm you know staring at people like what are you looking at and uh, so they're like uh, the waitress comes sits them all down and tells them they gotta order some food or they can't stay so we get the uh, the funny scene where um, he has officially become the dark overlord of the universe and tells them that he has to stay in human form because if he shows what he really looks like, it would be considered hideous and revolting. And, uh, and so Jennings uh, explains to Howard that he has what's called a code key to send him home, but he's going to use that code key to bring down the other dark overlords in the universe. And of course, you get Howard that says the funny line, "Well, screw him. You know, I got first dibs on that la on that laser, so give me the code key." And we get a real funny scene where um, it turns into big chaos, um, where these guys come and mess around. Howard gets a mouth and ends up punching the guy, and we just get a whole brawl in the uh, in the restaurant. And um, Beverly is trying to convince the Dark Overlord of the Universe to help Howard because they basically want to kill him. Uh, which, like I said, it's a real funny scene. But here's where the special effects start to come into play. I mean, this is George Lucas. He does own Industrial um, Light and Magic. So um, the the special effects look really good here where he starts to change. You can see like his eyes start to glow. He starts to get electricity and uh, really great, really great special effects, especially for the time period. Um, nothing really looks fake or blue screen or anything like that. Um, there, I actually maybe only have one or two complaints on the special effects in this film. Um, one in particular, 
but overall the special effects were really really good uh, really helped bring you into the story you know as obnoxious and crazy as it is I mean this is a movie about a duck but like I said it's just it's just a good time that's exactly what this film is so um, after a long story short um, the dark overlord of the universe uh, takes Beverly and leaves the restaurant and Beverly thinks that Howard is dead because she thinks he got run over because Howard tried to rescue her from the Dark Overlord. Now, they don't actually get into why he kidnapped her, but as he said before, he needs other humans to, uh, you know, for the other Dark Overlords to to live in. So, obviously, she's probably his, uh, you know, his test subject, so to speak. So, um, Howard just like, don't worry, you know, Beverly, I'll save you. So now the main cop on the scene here, he's actually, uh, he has hair, uh, but on the TV show CSI, he's the main cop on the regular CSI. Um, he has no hair in that show, but he plays basically the, the douchebag cop um, who uh, always, you know, is the one that's going after Howard the, the rest of the movie. Um, uh, he comes in and we get a funny scene with Howard that... Uh, where they want to interrogate Howard and they want the other cops to strip Howard. And Howard's like, you know, I have rights. I'm suing. You know, on this planet, we never say die, we say kill. You know, which that's a line he had said earlier. But in the scene where they're trying to pull off his clothes, he's like, on my planet, we don't say, we never say die, we say, not my shorts. You know, real, real hilarious. Um, <laughs> so, oh, I guess I got it wrong in regards to the, um, funny parts of the previous scenes I forgot to mention um, some of the funny lines in the restaurant um, were like uh, um, this one's for you cracker you know when he shoves a, a pie in a guy's face and Beverly says you know put him down he's my boyfriend and like that's disgusting and she's like well that's you sure will make me proud to be a human and uh, when the dark overlord finally gets up and he's full of electricity another guy says he must have had the chili and uh, and then when Beverly thinks Howard is dead. She tells the Dark Overlord that he's a filthy scumbucket, which was hilarious. Um, so I, I did forget to mention those those lines. Um, those are hilarious. But when we finally get to um, going back to where um, you see the Dark Overlord driving the truck, uh, he tells Beverly that I need your body, and she's like, "Great, I haven't heard that before." We get uh, the only special effect that I don't like. This is where the Dark Overlord needs um, he needs power. He sticks his tongue out into a lighter. Now, it's not the tongue, it's the face. Like, when the tongue first comes out of the face, it looks like the old school, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator face, where it looks like him, but it's not good enough to really look realistic. But after he gets the tongue inside the lighter and you see the electricity going then it's his real face so that i mean but it, it's still a good special effect but it's not you know that's the really only big flaw of the film uh in regards to special effects is that one scene there is his face does it just looks totally fake there but that's okay so when we get back to howard and um lindsay um at this point they found a plane after they broke out of the cop car and they're going to use that plane to um, go and rescue Beverly. Well, 
in real life, um, Tim Robbins and the guy under the Howard the Duck suit had Gail, they actually had to do this due to, you know, time restraints and everything like that. So they actually did this scene. Um, what's funny in the movie, though, is uh, Howard's line where he's like, you know, if God intended us to fly, he never would have taken away our wings. You know, he's trying to convince him he doesn't want to be on the plane. We get a really good action sequence here where um, they're running away from the cops and, you know, he's trying to tell him to go up in the air. It's, you know, the cops can't get us there. But, uh, you know, of course, Howard's having issues. I mean, the dude's never rode in a plane before, so you got to give him some slack there. But uh, after the action subsides, um, it's a pretty good chase scene. A lot of funny one-liners in there. Um, everything from, you know, uh, Lindsay being uh, in the water, you know, because he still has handcuffs the whole time. So he's hanging from his feet. You know, you see his head go underwater. We get some funny scenes about how, hey, Lindsay, you know, I missed you. You know, it's great to, you know, great to have you back. He's like, it's great to be back, Howard. You know, just real funny lines like that. Um, Howard trying to keep this plane up in the air. And then we cut to the Dark Overlord. Uh, real funny scene where he's basically breaking into a big power generator place. And uh, this one guy's like, you know, we have one million kilowatts of power. And he goes, one million kilowatts power. And the guy just looks at him like, with this crazy look like, yes, sir. Why don't we all get a cup of coffee? You know, real, you got to see it. It's hilarious, especially the guy's face when he says that. But, you know, of course, the Dark Overlord gets his power. So now he's really lit up. He's ready to rock and roll. And uh, this is where um, he is about ready to get to. He's basically driving back to the lab where the uh, where the laser is. But we have a traffic jam, and um, and the cops the the cops are they're doing a routine check, and um, they go and mess with the wrong guy. In this case, they go up to the dark overlord because he was impatient. He hit a guy in front of him. And the cop just goes off on him. He goes, I want to see your license, Jack. He goes, I have no license. I am not Jack. And, of course, he electrocutes the guy and he does all this cool, crazy um, special effects, putting people backwards, kind of like in uh, Back to uh, Superman 4, but it looks better um, when he's putting people in reverse and stuff like that. So real, real cool special effects there as well. Um, so we finally show the Dark Overlord getting the laser prepared and he has Beverly strapped in a chair and uh, then we finally get Howard and Lindsay show up and uh, they're like how are we going to take this guy out they find a gun of course it's locked Howard uses his quack foo um, to break open the door we get this big old cannon I mean it's a big old laser so really really cool weapon that they got and uh, finally um, they Howard and, and him duke it out. Um, it, it gets to the point where um, he will eventually escape from Jennings' body and become this huge, massive creature. And this, like I said, the special effects here, they're, they're really good on, on most of the parts. Very few where you're just like, ah, I can tell that's a puppet or, uh, you know, that's a blue screen. But most of the, most of the time, it, it was really good. So... Um, it was about maybe a 10-15 minute fight that was going on there. Um, then the fight kind of ends after, um, well the fight ends. 
and they think everything is all good, but then they realize that they have one minute left before the rest of the Dark Overlords come down. And Howard's about ready to blow up the laser with the gun that he used to kill the first one. And that's when Beverly tells him, you know, Howard, don't. You'll never go home. And then, of course, we get the sweet emotional music. Howard sits there and thinks. And then he blows up the laser. Now, here's my number two problem with the film. The problem is, is that as the counter is going down and it says, you know, you know, five, four, three, two, when we finally get to one, it actually says arrival and the dudes haven't shown up yet. I mean, Howard has just shot the laser and it takes a good five seconds for the laser to fully blow up. So if the machine says arrival, shouldn't the Dark Overlords already been there at this point? But like I said, you know, that's my only second flaw of the film. Not a big deal, though, especially if it's the first time you've ever seen it. You really wouldn't give a care at this point. But um, overall, you know, Howard's the hero, and you think he's dead uh, for the second time. Uh, but he does a really cool scene where he wakes up, he goes, I am not Howard, and they all freak out. And, uh, you know, goes, I had to fool in there, huh? So now we get to the very end of the film. Now, remember in the very beginning of the podcast, I played you the Howard the Duck song, and I told you how it was different than the one that's played at the end of the movie. Well, I'm going to play that for you right now, which I like this version a lot better. I mean, because, number one, Howard is interactive, and the audience, this was actually filmed in front of a live audience. So everybody was really, you know, cheering and saying Howard the Duck, and it was a really big interactive scene. So that's kind of why it... It's almost better than the song that hit the soundtrack. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and play this and finish up this movie. So here you go.
<laughs> Not bad for a duck from outer space. You were great, Ducky. Alright, so, um, I just wanted to say overall in the film, I mean, there's so many great one-liners. Um, I couldn't even, I mean, it would take me almost a whole hour just to go through all of the great one-liners. I tried to list some of my favorites, but I, I skipped on so many just because this movie has so many great one-liners. So I highly recommend you check this film out. As far as my overall score goes, I'm going to give it two kind of scores. Um, from the... Um, from the fanboy perspective, you know, seeing this as a kid numerous times, I definitely give it four and a half stars, no doubt about it. I mean, I, the, there was those two big flaws that really bothered me, which knock it down. Um, but if I was looking at it at a skeptical point, it's definitely a one-star movie, if that. I mean, a lot. Of, like I said, you really have to just leave your brain at the door and have a good time. But if you're being a real, you know... You want to be analytical towards the film I mean you would definitely shut it off within 10 minutes so uh, I would definitely say if you're looking at that standpoint it's a one star film um, but uh, I've never looked at it that way but I, I can see why people have a problem with this film um, I mean for example um, to close it up here I wanted just to I found I found this research uh, on the film about the release, and uh, I thought that this was real funny. This kind of tells you why um, why the film is not very popular. Um, the it's the re the reception of the film was basically when the film was screened for Universal, um, Katz, which he was one of the studio executives, he left without commenting on the film. Um, screenings for test audiences were met with uh, mixed responses. Rumors suggested that Universal Production um, heads Frank Price and Sidney Scheinberg engaged in a fistfight over arguing after arguing over who was to blame for greenlining this film. Both the executives denied these rumors. Of course, news reports speculated that one or both would be fired from MC by MCA Chairman Lou Westerman. Price soon left the studio and was succeeded by Tom Pollock. Um, basically, the the film um, just it was just total, you know, total trash to uh, to everybody. But of course, fifteen twenty years down the road, the movie became you know it's had always had a cult following, but it got really big, especially after the DVD just got released. Very, I think it was like a year or two ago, and we had some interviews. And Ed Gale, he actually played Chucky in the Child's Play movies. He said he gets more letters for being Howard the Duck than he does being Chucky. So, I thought that was really cool trivia. The the special the the special features on the disc are really cool, really insightful, and uh, you know I learned a lot about the film. But overall, I I highly I highly recommend Howard the Duck from a fanboy, you know, a guy that pretty much loves every movie. Um, I highly suggest and, and recommend this film. Um, and going into my topic, um, I was planning on doing a bonus episode. Um, I was thinking that I could record in another day or two and, and throw you out another one, but we'll see how that goes. My next um, episode is going to be the top 10 worst movies of all time. Um, I really wanted to, um, I've been wanting to do this for a while. I didn't really want to do a particular movie next time, and I don't want to do lists. This is going to be kind of a, a once in a, a great while thing where I'll do just a random episode about 
different different movies instead of just one because you know film and focus they do tons of movie lists and that's not something that i want to do because i don't want to be ripping people off but um as i told you before when this podcast first started i said if i don't like a movie then you know it's crap so i want you guys to know what are the movies that i think are the 10 worst movies i've ever seen in my whole entire life i've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of movies Almost all movies I've liked. I mean, I, I've liked. I mean, chick flicks, everything. You name it. I mean, I I can find a movie, and for the most part, I, I like it. You know, I can tolerate it. There's certain movies that I love and adore. Other ones that are really, yeah, it was good, but I never watch it again. So I want to give you my list. So if it's on my list, then you know that you need to stay away and run from this film because these are the kind of movies that will just make you vomit in your mouth and it's just disgusting. So that's going to be what my next episode is going to be is the Masoonist Top 10 Worst Movies of All Time. I only have 10. Out of all the movies I've seen, I can only come up with 10 because I really had a hard time trying to figure out. But the first five were instantaneous. I knew right off the bat. Six and seven was like, okay, yeah, I think I got it. And then Eight, nine, and ten were like, oh, I really need to think about this. But after about 15 minutes, I had the list down. So check that out. That's going to be my next episode. Um, before we get into the um, spotlight song, I just want to um, give some props out to my sponsors uh, Flix, Film of Focus, uh, Shadowy Flight, Show Me the Winston, Crossroads. Um, check those podcasts out. They are great times, super fun. Um, and then if you would like to email in, um, I would really enjoy it if you would email in. Uh, my address is sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com. And I don't have a lot of likes on the Facebook page, so if you can check that out and just like that, that would be a great, that would be awesome. You just type in Sweep Delay Podcast in Facebook, you'll be able to find it there. So um, hopefully I, w- I want to hear from you guys. But if I don't get anything, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to still continue on because I'm just having a blast doing this podcast. super fun. So um, in regards to the music spotlight song, um, this one was kind of easy for me to come up with because uh, I do want to mention, um, I'll probably get a lot of haters for this, but I am an American Idol fan. I've been watching it since season two. Um, last season was horrible. It was so bad that I wanted to shut it off and never go back to again. The only reason I watched it was because it was Simon Cowell's last year. Um, This year, thank God, it's been excellent because we got Steven Tyler from Aerosmith and Jennifer Lopez, and those two have brought so much to the new American Idol. I'm just loving it. It's great. Randy is still there. But uh, since we're finally into the whole voting process, you know, boys versus girls, um, I wanted to talk about the greatest American Idol of them all. Um, and I'm not talking about Kelly Clarkson, you know, she's really good. I'm not talking about Carrie, you know, even though Carrie did break numerous country awards. I'm talking about the one and the only Chris Daughtry. Uh, when I think of American Idol, I think of him. Um, I mean, he is the mo- he is so successful because he didn't win. I mean, I think the greatest thing that ever happened is the fact that Chris Daughtry didn't win American Idol because even he said so. That uh, it was a shock at first, but he wouldn't have been able to do the music that he wanted if he won American Idol. So, uh, I've uh, now Chris Daughtry. He um, he's actually the one that started the whole rocker coming in. So and then eventually we got instruments in American Idol. So Chris Daughtry really broke broke the uh, broke the doors open. And uh, now Chris Daughtry was actually in a band called Absent Element. He actually had his own record, um, his own album 
before coming to American Idol. So he definitely had music experience. And a lot of his songs on his first CD are from that that band, but he would just uh, rewrite them or redo the music because that was more of a hard rock band, and Chris Daughtry wanted to do rock that was more, um, you know, could be played on the radio a lot. So um, there's there's lots of songs that I could pick from, but I'm going to go with uh, my number one favorite, It's Not Over. I love this song. I've, it's the very first song he ever released. It shows you his, his his rock and ability. Got awesome guitar solo. I am a sucker for guitar solo, so I will be playing lots of songs that have guitar solos on the show. So um, when you think of American Idol, I want you to think of Chris Daughtry because this is how every American Idol should be is like this guy. He is just awesome. He He's a very uh, loving and respectful guy. You know, I, I've read numerous. I, I followed him for a very long time. He's one of he's one of my all-time favorite singers. He's he's so awesome. So um, check this on out. It's called It's Not Over. Um, and I want to thank you again for joining me. You guys um, have a good week. Hopefully I will see you before uh, next Wednesday. And uh, you guys take care. Masuna's out. And here's It's Not Over. I was blown away. What could I say? It all seemed to make sense You're taking away everything And I can't deal with that I try to see the good in life But good things in life are hard to find well, Blow it away, blow it away Can we make this something Can't let